I want to minister for a few moments a little bit further into this thought of legacy and use some thought one of the things my my son alluded to last week I want to take it a step further but when you understand what we what is before us there's a lot of work before us there's a lot of understanding that's going to going to be needed that's before us we're going to have to put ourselves out a little bit but let me just say this if you'll put yourself out God will put himself in let me say that again if you'll put yourself out God will put himself in and that just came to me through the spirit he said look let them know that when they extend themselves I'll extend myself when they reach their hand I'll reach my hand the difference is our hands are small but when he reaches his hand, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. Doesn't matter what business you're in, God will bless that business. Doesn't matter about your family, God will bless your family. Why? Because we're being a help to others. And at the same time, it will be a help to us. Amen? So I want to say this. What you do, say what I do can influence generations to come. What you do can influence generations to come. For those that have children and grandchildren now, remember you're influencing generations. What do you mean? You will make the choice for what future generations will experience. Let me bring some clarification into this. I'm in the ministry, did not have to be in the ministry. I fought against being in the ministry, not because I didn't love God. It's because I really wasn't drawn to working with people because people are a problem. Any of those in the industry where you have to work with people, you know what I'm talking about. I did not want to do that. So the thing that I would have done would, you're going to have to hear me. There's a lot of things I could have done. And did do. There's times I had three companies going at one time. And God stopped me on all three and said, what did I call you to do? I had all the money I needed at the time. And God took it. He said, you know, you're through with that if you work for me. I said, okay, no problem. But here's the point I want to make. If I had become a car salesman and I sold cars, nothing wrong with that. My sons would have grown up to sell cars. Now, y'all need to hear this. If I had decided to have a restaurant, my sons, my family, would have more than likely been restaurateurs. Are y'all catching my drift now? So, what if I decided to be a nightclub owner? My sons, I'm using this very clearly, would have probably, and I'm, not, I'm talking about spiritual sons too, they probably would have been in the nightclub business. But because I made a decision to work for God and stay in the house of the Lord and demonstrate the kingdom of God, every member of my family, all my members of my family, work for God. 
You say, but how does that happen? It happens because there's choices that are made. And it doesn't matter. You think it doesn't matter what choice you make. You say, well, I don't think it's important to come to church. My, my kids need to rest. Do you understand what you're doing? You're setting a precedent where you're saying your children don't need to be in the house. They don't have to be in the house of the Lord. And we're, because of that, we have diminished the house of the Lord. There again, every member of our family is in the house of the Lord. Even a son-in-law is in the house of the Lord today, and he's bad as they come. He's right there. And he came out of Catholicism. But that's, I wanted to drive that point home. Whatever you say it, it's going to happen. And it doesn't matter if you have children, you have people watching you. And believe me, that's important. I want to take you to Joshua 24, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll skip to 14, 25. Here they are, the children of Israel are in a place where they're about to make a choice. How many people know the children of Israel were wishy-washy? Does that sound like anybody you know? Can never make up their minds? Don't know who to serve? I think it was Andre Kraut said, I think it was Andre. You may serve the Lord, or, Lord. No, it wasn't Andre. It was Bob Dylan. He said, you may, serve, uh, you may serve the devil, you may serve the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. That's right. Good old Bob Dylan. It's the truth. You know, Bob became a Christian. And Bob went out on the Christian circuit. And he went broke. Because Christians didn't want to support. So he had to go back into the world system. It's a shame what we've done. I shame even for me when I talk to people. And I met with some people this week trying to develop a very big convention that I will make, we're going to make happen. But once that happens, what we're doing is bringing in ministries for, for change. Not to do the same thing we used to do, but do it the way God wants it done. So Joshua 24, verse 1 through 3. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. They're standing there before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord. Now he's speaking from God. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago, your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. And they did. Abraham was an idolatrous person at that time. Abram. Then I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river and led him through the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. God did that. God did that for Abraham, and let me just say this, God will do that for you. He'll bring you into a place, Denise, of prosperity and of peace and of growth. He'll just do it. If he did it then, he'll do it again. Jump down to Joshua 24, verse 14. Now he's still talking to the people. 
He said, now therefore, in the ESV, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. And if the church needs to hear anything, they need to hear this. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. All those gods of Egypt. They had a God for everything. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, watch what he says. Then you need to make a decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's something we've got to we need to make a statement, not with our mouths, because the mouth means nothing, Collis. What's, what matters is the heart. How many people, you know, they'll say, I love you. I love you, baby. I love you, man. Love you. They don't mean that. It's just something they say. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. They're not with you. The first time they need, you need them to be with you, they say, what? I didn't mean that. It's like when I called up Carlos and Christian about doing this cooking. I hadn't talked to them. I, I love their response. Whatever you need. That's what he said to me. Whatever you need. It's not, because, it's not because I'm great. It's because God is great. And again, let me say, this church should be filled from front to back. It should be packed out with people worshiping God. But we have forgotten in the United States of America how to serve God, how to worship God. Now I'm speaking through the Spirit. And you need to understand where I'm coming from. If we don't change our ways, we're going to lose that which we have cherished. We can't lose it. So will we serve the Lord? And he says in verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us. Here's their mouth again. Far be, have you ever heard somebody say, far be it from me? Well, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Yet they kept doing it. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. And who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went. And among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. They're making a statement. But Joshua said to the people, now this is Joshua talking, you are not able to serve the Lord. What does he mean by that? They were never able. They kept saying they're going to serve God, but they kept on going to false gods, to idols. Does that sound like anything today? We keep going to false things to get a false peace, a false joy, a false happiness. You know what I mean? It's false. It's not lasting. It's temporal. So watch what he says. You're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Remember, this is before Jesus. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. He said, be very careful. Don't make a statement you can't live by. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. 
I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm behind you, brother. Yeah, you're behind me and pushing me over the edge. I'm trying to show you how people think. And Pastor Joshua had to deal with his congregation. Now watch. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses. Now this is important. You are witnesses against yourself. What do you mean by that? When you open your mouth and you make a statement, you are a witness against yourself. I don't have to do it. I don't have to judge you. You're a witness against yourself. That's somebody saying, this is what I will do. This is how I will do it. And then all of a sudden you decide, I'm not going to do that. Now you become a witness against yourself. Has anybody ever done that before, said you was going to do something and didn't do it? You were a witness against yourself. And how did that make you feel? Pretty bad, huh? You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are his witnesses. We are witnesses. They reaffirmed it. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. This is important. Covenant. And he put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. As brought out last week, I want to remind you about Shechem. Shechem, by definition, means that it is things are not clearly seen. Things are held dimly. It's dimly lit. It's like a twilight. It's indistinct. I can't quite. Have you ever been in a place where you just can't quite make it out? You don't quite see things clearly. You don't know which way to go. I said that to my wife this week. I said, I just, I said, I've got to hear from, she said, what do you want to hear? I said, I've got to hear God. I've got to hear what he wants from me, how he wants me to do things. Because I don't want to spend the, the I think the next 10 years of my life is very, is pretty important. And I don't want to spend it not doing what God wants done perfectly. I mean, I'm in communication with different people right now where it's very possible if I key it in, I'll be in Columbia preaching or in Bogota preaching or different places around the world. They already asked me to go with them. And you understand my whole message is you may not hear it here all the time, but I am a man of faith. That's what I teach. I preach faith. That means, Gerald, when we prayed for your product last week, faith was extended. And you'll see it may not come when you want it. But it'll come on time. That's faith. So Shechem is a place where you don't know what you're seeing anymore. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and thought you saw somebody walking around your house? It's casting shadow. It's because you're not seeing anything that's real. You can't see clearly. Many times, many times. It's good to see this back in church. God bless you. Prayed, prayed for you. Many times in life, we just can't see things clearly. But it takes faith and it takes trust to navigate life's difficult paths. Faith and trust to navigate life's difficult paths. If you want to navigate it, but don't get in trouble and then blame God because it was you that got yourself in trouble. I've gotten myself in trouble before. 
Brother Perez, I did it. We've always done it. That's what we do as human beings. But don't charge God foolishly and say, God caused this. God didn't cause it. You did it. Well, I'm telling you what, my marriage is falling apart. That woman's so mean. That man's so mean. God didn't ask you to marry them. I'm just being real here. I'm, letting, I'm giving you all a counseling session for free. God didn't ask you to do what you did. I bought that car and it's been nothing but trouble. Do you really think God cares what kind of car you're driving? We're majoring on minors and minoring on majors. God's much more concerned about the big picture than the little picture. Now let me just say that. A lot of things we think he's concerned with, he's not concerned with it at all. He's just letting the natural process go, the natural process. But there's things he's very much concerned with. And let me tell you what that is. Demonstrating his kingdom. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Go preach the gospel of the kingdom. Did he not say it? Check it out. Is that what he said, Kenny? He said, go preach the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't say, go preach, I'm coming back soon. He said, go preach the gospel of the kingdom. Because the gospel of the kingdom is what will bring him into our midst. Sorry. I want to navigate life's difficult situations. Well, what does it take? Have you ever been in a, your house and the lights are off? You really can't see that clearly. But you can navigate your house. I mean, you walk and you know that the wall's right here. You feel the wall. You know the bed post is here. Sometimes you stub your toe because you're just in a hurry. But you know the bed's there. You know where your kitchen counter is, and I know you know where the refrigerator is. <laughs> Even though you can't see it clearly, you know where things are. What are you trying to say, Bishop? Faith is like that. In God's house, if I'm in his house, I may not see things clearly, but I can navigate properly. I know where things are. Why? Because he's with me. So I don't get concerned when somebody says, you know what, we're falling apart. No, I'm falling together. You say, I won't make it. That, that's not for you to say. The only one that can say you're not going to make it is God himself. Am I making sense to anybody here today? In God's house, it's faith that keeps me in the hallway and not running into the doors, not stubbing my toe. Not falling down the steps. It's faith. But Shechem is very important. Because in Shechem, there's choices that will be made that will influence your future. How many of y'all want a happy future? How many want a blessed future? How many want an informed future? See, that's important. That's so key. Because right now, today, everybody say today. This is the twilight of a new day for you. It may be dim. It may not be clearly seen. But Victoria, this is the twilight of a new day. The dawning of a new day. The future is dimly lit. But if we will be faithful, if we will be faithful to the Lord, your future will become clear and bright. Amen. 
your future. You'll see it. We stand as the children of Israel did that day in front of Joshua. And I, they had to make a decision because they stood in the valley of decision, Shechem. There's decisions we need to make. Either we're going to be a church or we're not. Boy, it got quiet. Should we consider ourselves to be a church? We should, shouldn't we? Now, if we say that, then that means we need to be a part of it. Carmen, you, Denise, Mr. Perez, Gerald. I'm going to name all the names in this house. You are a part of it. You, you, you're what makes it happen, Damon. Christian, not so much Valerie, but everybody else. I'm just kidding. But it's the truth. We all are a vital part of the overall picture. If we say we're going to be a church, which is the called out ones, the separated ones, we need to be that. So this is our valid decision. This is a defining moment today. As I talk about legacy, this is the defining moment. And big decisions are defining moments. Big decisions. Will we go God's way or will we go our own way? How many people have tried their own way before? I have. I'll just admit it. And you guess what happened? Woo, doggies. It didn't come out so good. You say, well, I don't know. I'll just tell you the truth. I'm smarter than God. No, you're not. I know what I want, and I know God don't see what I see. He's already seen it. He's already stepped into your future if you'll follow his will. He already knows what's going to happen with your product. God already knows. There's no worry about it. Either he, he, it's already in his plan or it's not. Your health is in the hand of God. He's already stepped into your future. He already knows. Watch. There are times when our future, your future, seems uncertain. Have you ever been there before? You've got to make a decision. It's in those times we have to set our hearts, Floyd. We have to set our hearts to move forward with God. And that's not easy because of this one little word, process. Process is not easy. You say, well, how do you know, Bishop? Because my life has been one big process. From the moment I got sick six or seven months ago, I was walking in process and in the valley of decision. But the good news is I got a blood report this week, and they said all my numbers are coming back normal. Which they said would not happen. They said, no, you'll, you'll have a new norm. I said, no, I want the old norm. And it started coming back. And I said, thank you, Jesus. But I had to go through a process. You're going to say, Bishop, explain to us as a church what was that process. I would never have moved for full-turn church unless God had put, taken me through that process. Is anybody scratching their head on that statement? I would have never done are moved in the direction that I moved that you saw happening last week and will happen at the first of this year if I had not gone through that process laying on a gurney in the ER and me saying, okay, God, whatever it is, you better talk to me because I don't know what, what's going on here. 
Here's one thing, Pat. His ways are perfect. I'm so relaxed today because I know that I'm in the will of the Lord. I've had people say, you better watch out. People take advantage of you, and I'm thinking, how? God is setting me up. He's setting us up for victory. He's setting you up for victory. When you're relaxed, it's when God works. He doesn't work in your fear. He doesn't work in your anxiousness. He works in your faith. We must not forget what God has done. Why? Because he's done so much for us. And because he's done so much for us, he's not stopping now. He's going forward. He's going to continue to bless. He's going to continue to prosper. He's going to continue to guide. But here's the problem. If we don't make a decision today in Shechem, we might not have a great tomorrow. What do you mean by that? Every person seated here today is valuable to the overall message of Jesus Christ. Now, hear what I'm telling you. You're here because God wants you here. Not because of Alan. Not because of Pastor Kenny. Not because of Randy and Floyd. God, we are here because God wants us here. God wants you here. Oh, come on now. We must come to a place where we say, I don't know about y'all, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And I don't care if I got to be here at 9 o'clock to hear you preach, Bishop. I'm going to be here because it's the right thing to do. Now, it won't last forever, but you have to understand, if we will prove ourselves, God will prove himself. You talk about blessings, you talk about miracles that are going to happen, it's going to happen because we're in the will of the Father doing what's right. You watch and see. I appreciate him working with me. See, that stage was full last week. I told you all it was going to happen. Nobody believed me. But it happened, and it'll happen again. Come January, it'll happen every week. We must instruct the next generation and remind them very often about what God has done for us. You can't just let it go. You've got to say, this is what God has done for us, and if he did it then, he'll do it again. You have to remind Christian, as he gets older, this is what God has done for us. This is what God's done for daddy. This is what God did for your grandparents. And you have to keep reminding them. Because when you instruct a child in the way that he should go, when he gets old, he will not depart from it. That's Bible. The Lord reminded me that this morning early. He said, if you'll instruct them, teach them well, he said, they'll not depart from the truth. He said, well, I wish my kids were in church. Did you ever think about bringing them to church back when they were young? It's important. Listen, my mother was like the Gestapo. On Sunday mornings, it didn't matter how late I was out at night. And I'm talking about when I got to be a teenager. I didn't do nothing wrong. I just stayed out late. I didn't do nothing wrong. I just liked the nightlife. What's that song? I like the nightlife. I love the boogie. But, you know. It didn't matter how late I was out. Mama, she'd come in and say, uh, 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 guess what? Seven o'clock, get up, 
get dressed, you'll be in church. And Floyd's known me most of my life. We were in church, weren't we? Didn't matter what I did the night before, she was going to have me in church on Sunday morning. It didn't matter if I drank Kool-Aid all night. All that sugar. Because you know that's all I would ever drink is Kool-Aid. Why are y'all laughing? You know you did it. Don't act like you're so pious. She said, now look, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be in the house of the Lord, and you're going to serve the Lord with gladness. So put a smile on your face. So Psalm 78 verse 1 says, give ear, O my people, to my teachings. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from an old. Things that we, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. Watch this. Our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. And we will tell the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a new law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children. Why did they say that? Let's just jump down to verse 7. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, all his commandments. Keeping his commandments. What do you mean? The future goes beyond just what God has done in this generation. We must learn to see beyond ourselves. God is a sovereign God and he will accomplish his purposes. Here's the choice. Either you'll be a part of it or you won't. Somebody's going to walk into the promised land. And somebody's going to walk outside of it. I don't know about y'all, but I want to walk in the promised land. He wants to continue the work and cause it to be a perpetual work. Not just, here we are today in this church and then it'll be gone five years from now. There'll be no, be no church. No, no. It's a perpetual work. It keeps going. It may look different. It may even be in a different place. But the ministry keeps going forward. That's just the way it works. But we all have a part to play. I'm, I'm almost through. People are watching us. Our children are watching us. Things that we do on the job, people are watching us. Faith is caught before it's taught. People start seeing your faith. So I'll ask this question, what does your life say about Christ? What does it say about Jesus? Because when we go through transition and change our children and those around us are watching us to see how we're going to move and what we're going to do. What we decide now will determine our future. But listen to this. I'm going to close up here. A huge fire doesn't just happen. A huge fire. doesn't matter if it's a, a house on fire or the forest on fire. It doesn't just, boof, there it is. A huge fire doesn't just happen. It starts with a spark. Then it grows into a raging fire. How did that in Hawaii, that fire started from a spark. It annihilated the town from a spark. So what are you asking? We need fire. 
I'm asking for some sparks today in this legacy. I want some sparks. I'm asking for some seed today, something that can be planted and grow. I'm asking for a new commitment. Oh, God, here we go. A new commitment that will spark our new beginning that God has promised. We need to do that. We must say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will not falter. This is me talking now. I will not falter in that which he has asked me to do. I will not be weary in the things he's promised, even though the promises seem delayed. I must fulfill, hear me now, I must fulfill my life by finishing the course God has written in my heart. For it is this course that he will require of me in the day that I stand before him. Are you with me?